Welcome to uh, the fourth episode of Futurecast. Uh, today uh, we have a Christmas special, and uh, I have uh, David Gunnarsson, the CEO of Duhop, joining me, and uh, we'll talk about uh, doing something that nobody believed is possible at this stage, which is being a travel company and raising a significant round of funding from conviction-based investors. So, David, welcome. Thank you. Um, so maybe to start with, uh, you know, what uh, what got you into this crazy business of startups? Uh, I don't know. I was um, it was probably my, my my previous experience before I came to Duhop. So um, was in the Icelandic financial system. <laughs> so I worked for Kaufthing, Iceland's yeah. biggest bank, and yeah. and uh, that blew up. And then I had to do something else that was less established. <laughs> And probably more more interesting and more for me. Yeah. But at the time between 2005 and 8, when I w- when I was there for for three years in the financial industry, it was really, you know, it was hot. It was interesting. It was it seemed like a good idea at the time. But it turns out it, it wasn't. It's still a good idea. Probably. Maybe maybe uh, I think we're we're maybe throwing the baby with the bathwater, <laughs> bashing the financial systems. But uh, so yeah, so that got you into uh, starting thinking about startups. Did you join uh, DoHop right after your banking days, or uh, yeah, okay, yeah. So so you joined DoHop in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand end of uh, beginning of two thousand nine. Okay, wow. Yeah. Okay, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of course, I, I remember those days very distinctly because um, uh, in my own history, obviously, I was working for another bank yeah. and uh, very promptly fired and uh, I didn't have anything else to do just like you. I exactly. looked around, what should I do? And I said, maybe I should do something nobody else is doing. And I said, maybe I should be an investor in startups <laughs> because at that stage, nobody no, was exactly. looking at this. Uh, so 2009. So, so tell me about the DoHub journey. I mean, why why did you join them? Well, I I guess like everything else in Iceland, I knew somebody who knew somebody, and yeah. uh, they were like, yeah, why don't you come join us? And and um, I had uh, I had a chat with Frosty, the, mm-hmm. the founder, the co-founder, and um, and he he called me on the way back home from the interview and hired me. Yeah. Um, and that was in Feb 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, so I joined as like a head of marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and spent a couple of years doing that. Then, you know, took on sort of increasing roles of business development, strategy, different things. And finally, I think um, we, when we were starting to pivot, so we've moved over from being the meta search, mm-hmm. and we can talk more about that. But um, when we were really get in the infancy of, of that journey, sort of the pivot, then then I took over CEO in the beginning of 2015. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, now I think I have half of my time as not the CEO and the other half as CEO. Yeah, maybe uh, jumping back a little bit. So, what does Duhop do? I mean, how did the idea start, and, exactly. and how it has transformed over the years? So it's almost a ten-year-plus history. Yeah. So maybe start with the original story. Where did it start? Exactly. Then go from there. So it started. Uh, so Frosty, the co-founder, he was living in southern France, and he was trying to find trips, flights from between southern France and Iceland, and. And that wasn't easy at the time because there were no websites like Duhop is. is yeah. uh, now we have a strange time where there are no flights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even if you wanted to go, or nobody wanted to go anyway. <laughs> exactly. So, so Frosty was, uh, you know, 
trying to piece together uh, an Iceland Express flight, probably at the time, out of Iceland, and then another low-cost carrier somewhere through one of the connecting ports. And, and, and there were no websites. So Skyscanner, another, one of our sort of major competitors, the incumbent in the space today, they were founded in 2002 for the same purpose. Kayak, another huge one mm -hmm. company like this out of the US, 2004, same year as Duhop. So there was a huge need for this. And, mm -hmm. and several other smaller companies um, founded in the same, same sort of couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was really the first, I'd say the first 10 years, was the, that was the, the meta-search, as we Flight meta-search, yeah. that is connecting desperate destinations that don't exactly. uh, join by airlines themselves. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. And, and that's really always been the crux of what we do, is, is to, to connect the unconnected flights. Oh. So I think you know, people may or may not know this, but not all flights connect, right? Yeah. So airlines choose which flights, which connections to sell if they uh, outside of their direct network, mm -hmm. um, and especially at that time, the low-cost carriers had been sort of coming up uh, over the 10 to 15 preceding years, mm -hmm. and and they are independent. They operate in a bubble, each mm -hmm. one, and mm -hmm. and that creates this need of of connecting those bubbles. So that's really the that's the origin. Mm -hmm. um, when we then, I think it was in 2013, we started working with airports because airports that had a high mix of low cost to traditional um, content or, mm -hmm. or, or traffic, they figured out that they might be a good connecting point. But then they needed someone to help them out with that. And that's where that started for us, this pivot. Yeah. If you will. So you had built a foundation of connecting disparate uh, airlines and then immediately yeah. you saw an airport is a perfect place where all these airlines come in exactly but again it kind of is so obvious mm. that everybody miss it right <laughs> yes. it's, it's always I, I see it all the time with the because I work with founders in the very early stage something that is so obvious mm. everybody misses it yeah yeah and I want to touch upon one point because uh, we are uh, you know we are in a ecosystem like Iceland mm -hmm. where you know we're Maybe we are 10 years in in the startup investor yeah. venture journey. Um, a lot of times I get this question, uh, maybe you guys got it as well when you started. When you're starting to do something, they always say, oh, there is this other thing that is being done. Mm -hmm. and, and I've always looked at it and said, yes, but the world is so big, yeah. not one person is going to capture all of that. Absolutely. No one company is going to capture all of that. Even Google, the search mm -hmm. engine, which is like every, but Google is a, is a word in Oxford Dictionary, <laughs> right? I mean, if you really think about it, so it's a word. Yeah. So the, the entire universe thinks that's the only way to search. There yeah. are like plenty of search engines. There were the 29 search engine, mm -hmm. right? When they started, they weren't thinking that they're going to be a word in Google. They just did a better product. Yeah, so, absolutely. So maybe give some context to the conversations that you've had at that time, because Kayak, mm -hmm. Skyscanner, mm -hmm. Doohop, you know, uh, again, if you, and I've always said this to founders, if you'd started your company in Silicon Valley, you would have been at a much different stage than you are when you start in Iceland. <laughs> Absolutely, and that, I mean, that's the, the, I think that's the significant difference between starting in a very large market where you have uh, high access to high quality capital at an early stage. I think that's, that's one of the most important things. Obviously, you have to get the timing, the product, the team, and all of those things right. But what we we can do that. I mean, none of those things are, are sort of prohibitive or, or here in Iceland. Mm -hmm. But it's mainly the capital, and it's mainly the reluctance of investors outside of Iceland to invest here. That's changing definitely. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. that's because we have a probably a slightly more 
mature environment. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Kayak, as an example, they raised, I think, $250 million. I mean, in, in, in sort of, and they sold the company within 12 years for $1.8 billion. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty nice story. Right. That's not really a story that is likely to be created in Iceland. No. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe uh, later. Maybe later. Yeah. Maybe later. But um, so coming back to the timeline, so 2013 and 2015, you 2013 you found out that airports are the best places yeah. for airlines to connect. 2015, you become the CEO. So walk me through the journey from 2015 to, say, uh, the post uh, air collapse mm -hmm. and the travel industry slowing down in Iceland. Of course, you know we all know what happened from 2015 to 2018. Yeah. Major boom. Yeah. But tell me from your perspective, because you were living the travel world at that time. Absolutely. Um, so we, in 2015, that was the year that we started working with uh, Gatwick Airport. Mm -hmm. And we and Gatwick is EasyJet's mm -hmm. uh, sort of biggest hub, if you will. They don't view it as a hub because they're not a connecting airline. No. But um, so we started working with them and launched that in 2015. Um, and we obviously we had. At, at the same time, we felt this this boom from the meta search perspective. So there was, for the longest time, the meta search, our old sort of business, which we would term now as our old business, was really competing and was really the main revenue driver through, throughout that boom period. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until, so the Gatwick cooperation led us to EasyJet, mm -hmm. which was our first airline customer for these connecting mm -hmm. kind of journeys. and. That launched in 2017, but that didn't really come into its own until sort of 2019. Mm -hmm. And and the, I'd say what we struggled with, if if, if anything, was this boom mm -hmm. in the in the travel space um, during those years, as you say, because we couldn't abandon a, a nicely revenue generating business, even though we didn't feel there was any future in it. Right. And that was quite tricky. Mm -hmm. And we still can't abandon it because right. there, it's still a brand that people know in Iceland and yeah. people like it and all of that. Uh, so we, it's still there. Yeah. It has a, a small focus for us, but yeah. it's it's not going to, you know, next year it's not going to drive more than 5 or 10% of our total revenue. Right. So this is a classical challenge mm. of startups that pivot yeah. because you build something and then it it, it is, it is I, I always tell founders that experiment with something. If it is marginally successful, mm. ditch it. <laughs> before you can't, <laughs> right? Because the problem like is yeah. it's kind of like one of those things where <laughs> it's kind of like this ugly duckling. You got to keep it running because yep. uh, I, I personally faced a challenge because when I was CEO of Green Cloud, mm. one of the things that we faced was that the public cloud was generating revenue, but it was a dog. Yeah. It just didn't go anywhere. No. You know, we were like chasing people for like 10 bucks a month. And then there was this deal where we were doing with like large data centers for yeah. like two hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars a deal, mm -hmm. right? I mean the customer lifetime value was like three to five million dollars, yeah. and and you're like, what do we do? And mm -hmm. I was like, time out, we ditched this, no, we ditched this witch, and you just move on. <laughs> exactly, you know. But uh, anyway, so good, good, good to good to hear that uh, this is not uh, just. Uh, experience that I see it is something that happens with every founder. I think so. So so now uh, coming to the wave where the travel industry is going down, mm -hmm. again, walk me through COVID. Mm -hmm. how, how did that play out for you? It was so, uh, I mean, it has changed things quite a lot for us 
in, in, in the sense that it's given us, it's sort of uh, multiplied our opportunity, the opportunity that we're going after. Because airlines, uh, when there's a, an aviation boom, airlines feel really good, they make a lot of money, and it's hard to sell them things that they, that kind of drive future business. Sure. Right? So, uh, you know, I've, I'll walk into an airline, you know, summer 19, Wizz Air, mm -hmm. met with the exec team, the CEO, and he's like, we have 90% load factors. Why are you talking to me about incremental passengers? Mm -hmm. I don't care about that. Today, they have 50 or 60% load factors, and they're going to have that for, you know, sort of for the At next least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we had January this year was by far our best month in history, and, and we were, we would, well, all else being equal, we would have sort of tripled our revenue this year compared to last year, mm -hmm. <clears throat> which is nice. Uh, but, of course, we heard, I was in China January 15th, and that's when we started hearing sort of the first echoes of this mm -hmm. COVID thing. And, um, and then in March, it sort of, uh, you know, Feb was okay. March was half down and, and it properly hit. And we had to put everybody, we had to furlough everybody and, and get, you know, we, we started furloughing people even before the furlough scheme, the government introduced the furlough scheme. Um, but it was really... It was, it was in many ways very disappointing because this was going to be our year. Yeah. And we had, we had signed a term sheet with the investors that then ultimately invested mm -hmm. recently in, in December 19. Mm -hmm. So we were going to close that round. That was due to close March 30th, mm -hmm. uh, 20. <laughs> but March 11th, they, I got a call saying, sorry, we're going to have to put you on hold for six to 12 weeks. It ended up being like eight months, <laughs> which is just <laughs> fine. Which is fine. Which is we, fine. You know, we, we survived, thanks in no small part to the ability to furlough people and all of these things. All of the, so there was a lot of help in the government schemes that were put in place, definitely, sure. uh, which is fantastic. And that was, that was one of the things that really got us through this, was being an Icelandic company and being able to hook mm -hmm. into the, sort of the, the welfare system here, if you will. I yeah, mean, um, yeah. That was very valuable. I mean, this is something that we are noticing across the globe, right? I mean, a lot of the governments are actually doing yeah. these efforts. And given that, um, you know, we are, I always say this, uh, you know, we are privileged in Iceland. We are. You know, we are very privileged because we are a small country. We can, uh, you know, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. So we can literally, you know, pull everybody up if we need to. Absolutely. And I think uh, you're right. I think the government schemes have really helped a uh, number of companies mm. and especially startups. Yeah. And I think it's a good uh, pivot for Iceland to spend more, you know, more of its resources on innovative companies. Yes. Right? I mean, I think that's going to be the future of how we do things. I agree. So tell me more about this investor. Um, how did this uh, conversation start? Why mm -hmm. did this conversation start? And then, of course, uh, what's, uh, what's, uh, what's in store? Where are you guys going with this? Absolutely. So I guess in 18, um, when sort of mid-18, mid-2018, when, when EasyJet the, and EasyJet invested originally. I mean, they became our customer in 17. Mm -hmm. They invested a, a sort of corporate convertible note round in 18. And we, we figured out that we were onto something. Mm -hmm. We were, you know, we were getting a lot of interest from airlines. Mm -hmm. We were seeing good traction with the product that we had deployed with EasyJet. And we, were, we signed up and we launched, I think, six new airlines in 19. Mm -hmm. So October, we decided, we hired, uh, we hired an advisor, mm -hmm. a small, very small boutique firm in the UK mm -hmm. um, to, to kind of, take us on this on this journey that was incredibly helpful and valuable mm -hmm. i think some some people might not agree that that's the right strategy for a startup but 
whatever. Um, I always say the right strategy is the one that works. Yeah, this one, <laughs> this one has so far. Um, so I'd say we, we, we hired them in, in September. We, we, we did a deck and we started um, visiting investors on the 1st of October. Mm -hmm. And the guys that ultimately ended up investing were our first meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, we, then we saw a bunch of investors, mainly in London. Mm -hmm. uh, we met with a couple elsewhere in Europe and we didn't speak to anybody in the US. We reached out, well, okay, that's wrong. We reached out to a few, but only people we knew. Mm -hmm. So people in our space, mm -hmm. JetBlue Technology Ventures, Thayer, mm -hmm. guys who invest in our space. Yeah, we, we did some work with them, but these guys, along with a couple of other ones, were the most interested. Mm -hmm. and then we ended up signing a term sheet with them in December. Pretty, we were happy, you know, strong valuation. Mm -hmm. They wanted to invest uh, a primary round and a secondary. They wanted mm -hmm. to buy out some existing shares. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we did good work until the middle of March. Mm -hmm. And they put us on hold, um, which was hard because we had about, you know, six or eight weeks of cash oh, wow. at that time because we were assuming that the round would go through. We, yeah. we didn't expect COVID. And of course, the, the business also slowed down or Ab came to a stop. I mean, our revenue, in, in, it went from 120 million ISK in January to zero in April. Yeah. Uh, actually, zero, <laughs> which is <laughs> unfortunate. Yeah. And, and, and we, but what we decided to do is we said, okay, these guys, they, they put us on hold for six or 12 weeks. Like I said, it ended up being eight months, but they, but we always approached it as if they would definitely come back. Mm -hmm. So we just said, okay, they're going to, we're going to wait this out. They're going to come back. What we did was, uh, first of all, we had to find, we had to find cash. Right? So we, we raised a convertible note mm -hmm. uh, with our existing shareholders, mm -hmm. intending to sell 400 million. We sold 200. Mm -hmm. Um, which was enough to get us through. And then at, I'd say, beginning of September, mm -hmm. we, we, we had sort of kept in touch with the investors every three weeks. Mm -hmm. Quick call, update. You know, we signed four customers, four new airline customers throughout this COVID period. Wonderful. So that really drove the fact that we were able to then get them back on board. Mm -hmm. um, and beginning of September, we did a hard pitch. We said, okay, this is going to be, you know, kind of a take it or leave it thing. And, and they came back two days later and said, okay, fine, we'll, we'll get you a term sheet. Wonderful. And I think the fact that they had done a lot of the work and there was a lot of DD, there was a lot of due diligence cost already yeah, under the bridge. Yeah, that already sunk in. Yeah. 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 That, that helped. Sure. Uh, a big new customer that we're going to launch in January, that helped. Um, so it was a combination of these factors and the fact that I think people believed and, and still believe that there's a light at the end of the COVID tunnel. Of course. Um, I mean, and travel is not going away. Nope. People are going to travel. Yeah. So it was really, the fundamentals were still there. And it was about, you know, I think for them, they, they also felt better because investors always feel better when capital markets are okay. Yeah. And they certainly weren't okay in March. No. It's not no. nice to be a fund, any fund, deploying yeah. capital when capital markets are, you know, in yeah. upheaval. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. No, I mean, we have a very connected financial system. Yeah. So it is, you know, like, it's kind of like a thread that's all linked together and you pull one end and the other ends all Absolutely. <laughs> fall apart. Absolutely. And, um, so so uh, maybe coming to the specifics, how much did you guys totally raise um, from the 2018 uh, funding? So from, from then about 1.4 billion yeah. ISK. Yeah. So which is about $12 million. Yeah. Like yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, so uh, what's the size of the team now and what is the future uh, store? Um, 
Well, the team, we're about 45 people. So we have, we have sort of close to 30 in Iceland. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a small team in Belarus, in Minsk, mm -hmm. which has been interesting of late with the, with the events, events there. And, yeah. and um, we, we gave them some personal time to, uh, <laughs> to ingest all of that. And yeah. um, we have about eight, uh, seven people there. Mm -hmm. And then we have a couple of you know, satellites here and there across mm -hmm. Europe. We have uh, sales in, in London, uh, in Bangalore. Uh, and Taipei, mm -hmm. and but well, those are just sort of single, pe single, single mm -hmm. people. Um, and now we are. So I'm actually I was I was going to do it last night, but I'm doing it this morning, putting out some ads for 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 new people. Mm -hmm. And we're going to hire. I'd expect us to hire about five to ten people over the next. We'll probably. I think we'd, we'd ramp up to ten plus people in six months. Mm -hmm. and it's going to take a bit of time. I mean. Right. And so what's the team composition like? I mean, what uh, engineering, sales, yeah. management? So uh, sort of pure management is like two people. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there is a management team, but it's, it's mostly a non, it, you mm. know, it's mostly people who do work anyway, mm -hmm. myself included, a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I, we're not at the stage yet where we can have sort of people who mostly are managers. Mm -hmm. and. Um, Whatever that means, actually, yeah, exactly. I, I, I want to I learn. <laughs> but um, it's very engineering heavy. I mean, it's it's mainly um, computer scientists, mm -hmm. software engineers, developers, mm -hmm. you know, and of all shapes and sizes. Yeah, I think it's the shape of things to come. I think uh, many people are starting to internalize that every business is now a technology business. Absolutely. And uh, for those of us who've been saying that for decades, it seems like finally the world has arrived. Yep. <laughs> but that's also means that uh, it's not going to stay the same. It's going to change. Something mm. else is going to be the 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 future. Uh, I mean, the the episode is always about the future cast. Yep. So we spend a lot of time to talk to founders, innovators, leaders who are working on the future. So how do you think the airline industry is going to change um, because you are kind of uh, neck deep in this world? Well, the, the airline industry is very, very stuck in the past in yeah. terms of um, technology for, for, for some airlines, right? So you have to make the distinction between uh, low-cost carriers, the sort of mm -hmm. newer generation of airlines, and full-service carriers who rely on sort of GDS and the, the, mm -hmm. the traditional legacy infrastructure and things. Sure. So that part of the industry is is very much stuck in the past in terms of the technology they rely on, the the sort of um, the the ecosystem of distribution that they rely on. Um, anything you know, they think that you know, there's a there's a term that is used quite frequently that's called that's retailing. Mm -hmm. So they think that that's really innovative is to be able to sell pretty much anything in the booking funnel of an airline. And, you know, I, uh, I met a pretty senior guy at American Airlines once and he said, well, if I want to sell anything in the booking flow, that takes us three years to implement. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's completely ridiculous. Right. The, the, these, are, these are people who come from being very, very good at the operational part of an airline. Yeah which has nothing to do with websites yeah. or e-commerce or right. tech, you know, yeah. at yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is um, kind of one of the big challenges that I think about uh, because when you are investing in early stage, yeah. you are, by definition, thinking about the next five to ten years because mm -hmm. that's how long it takes to get things from concept to idea. But, of course, you can have wins in between. Yeah. 
And I believe that the airline industry is going to fundamentally transform Absolutely. because of this crisis, Absolutely. just like how it did in 2008 with the financial mm -hmm. sector. I think the financial system transformed. Yep. And uh, I actually even think that this whole crypto craze that we are seeing now mm -hmm. towards all, it was because of the financial crisis. Yep. I mean, Bitcoin came out in 2008, for mm. crying out loud, the white paper came out then, right? The innovation happens yep. when the crisis happens. Mm -hmm. And, but it takes time for everybody to catch up to that. Yep. And I do believe that uh, the whole premise behind this episode is how do you build the future? Mm. And, and, uh, and, and also doing it from Iceland. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is, uh, again, uh, maybe if you talk to some of the venture investors in the US, they're all now moving to Miami, apparently. <laughs> I don't know, if you see the Twitter flow, everybody's moving to Miami. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, do you even know what's going to happen there? <laughs> you know, it's going to just skyrocket the real yeah. estate prices and throw everything mm. into a chaos. Uh, but uh, luckily for us, uh, we don't have that problem because we're already in a real estate crisis in Iceland. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, uh, anyway. Um, no, but I think you're right about the about the about the industry. Is that guess, and that's that's our main challenge, right? I mean, we are a a sort of trying to be an innovative tech company, bringing new things to an airline industry that is old. Mm -hmm. in, for the most part, but the, but you can if you look across our customer profile, we've so far mainly worked with low-cost carriers because <laughs> they are much easier to work with. They don't, you know, they don't have an IT department. Yeah, they are in fact an IT company. Yeah, just so happens they also have a, an aircraft operation. Right. I mean, this is uh, you know a good uh, good way to describe this is uh, today uh, Tesla is going to join the S and P five hundred. Mm -hmm. You know, the, probably the most valuable company to join yeah. the S&P 500. I mean, if you compare them to a car company, they are a mosquito, right? Mm -hmm. Toyota makes more cars than they ever did. Yeah. But I think that's where most of the conventional wisdom is wrong yeah. because Tesla is not a car company. I think no. that is what everybody gets wrong. They think it's a car company because they make cars, yeah. but they're not a car company. They're a software company, exactly. right? They make technology that runs a car, mm -hmm. right? Which is a totally different way to look at a car company. Yeah. I do believe that airlines are gonna become the same, which is I think the, so. the next generation of airlines is not gonna be the plane. The plane is important, sure. you know, yeah. but it is basically going to be the, the, the soft side of it, mm -hmm. which how everything else works, mm -hmm. that makes Absolutely. it uh, a different airline. So I do believe that um, a new generation of airlines are gonna come uh, and they're gonna be built. Yeah. And um, I think that Warren Buffett is probably going to be wrong in the next decade or so because uh, he was wrong about Bitcoin, he was wrong about Tesla. Mm. I think he's probably going to be wrong about airlines too, which is you start as a billionaire and you become a millionaire. Exactly. Maybe you can start as a millionaire and become a billionaire. Uh, Possibly. Yeah. Um, anyway, with that, uh, I'd like to thank you again. Uh, it's a very special episode, uh, the fourth episode before Christmas, so it's going to come out to uh, the rest of the people and the uh, holiday spirit. Nice. And uh, with that, I'll say thank you, David. Thank Thanks you for having time me. And uh, Merry Christmas to you and happy holidays. And uh, let's all hope we get on an airplane soon. Let's hope so. Thank yeah. you. Thanks thank for you. having me. Thank you. Thank you again for uh, listening to us and uh, have a happy holiday and uh, we'll see you again uh, at the new year, as they say, on the other side of 2020. <laughs>